You are listening to the Sound in Faith podcast, coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. Our aim with this podcast is to encourage the saints of Faith Baptist Fellowship to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mike, I have a confession I need to make this morning. Well, confession's good for the soul, brother. I think I may have violated one of the commands of Scripture. So uh, last night, our youth group went out to a place called Air Madness. It's a trampoline park. Yes. And uh, I went along with that. I help out with our, our high school youth here. Mm-hmm. And um, I attempted to do a flip uh, on one of the trampoline floors, whatever that, whatever you call that thing. And I was thinking about that afterward because uh, it it did not go well at all. And uh, I'm feeling it this morning, but you know where it talks about in Titus chapter 2, verse 2, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified. You know, now I'm seeing where you're coming from. You definitely did. You definitely did violate some scripture. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, if Rules you, of nature, too, bro. <laughs> right, yes. Um, you know, there, there are things that I could do in my uh, teens and 20s and even 30s that... I have severely lost the ability to do now. Right. And, uh, well, when I get there, I'll let you know if that happens to me too. <laughs> You're older than me, right? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, someone did confuse us the other day for the first time. For the first time. Yeah. I, I mean, at least uh, that I was aware of. Mm-hmm. Someone turned around and they thought it was you, and then they realized it was me. Okay. And then they were greatly disappointed. Somebody told me on Sunday that that was the best sermon they've ever heard me preach. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thomas preached. You're my brother from another mother. Yeah. We need to figure how do you say that in Russian? Oh, brat is drugoy matery. Anyway, that sounds really weird. We're going to speak in the Russian today on this program. Yeah. And we got a lot to cover today. We've got some great things to talk about. So we're calling this episode Ask Anything. Maybe, maybe we'll call it that. Sure. We yeah. might come up with. But uh, every so often, we want to take the opportunity to answer questions that um, people send in. Uh, we've got a way you can do that now. You, I mean, we do post it on Facebook, and you can make comments. But if you look on, um, if you go to faithsf.com slash soundinfaith, there's a form on there that you can fill out and ask a question. So we're going to be taking some of those questions today and answering them as best we can. We put a bunch of different posts on Facebook um, as we were launching this, and we realized a lot of people had questions because, you know, lots were given. We just took a sampling. We took seven of those many, um, Mm. but uh, yeah, a lot of people have questions, and we thought we'd answer them. Um, So shall we just dive in? Yeah, let's just dive in. Um, uh, You know, the first question that we have today comes from Susie Jones, a member here at Faith, and she asked this question, if you have a friend or family member who is LGBTQ and is getting married, do you attend the wedding out of love you have for that person or not because of your beliefs? So we're going to assume that this is a same-sex marriage. Yeah. Uh, same, so-called same-sex marriage, same-sex wedding. And, <clears throat> and they're asking if we should, you know, should we go? You know, they're inviting us, and, yeah. and, and for them... Uh, they would feel like our support is tied to to us attending. That's the question. Right? That's the question right there. Yeah, I, I love I love how she set this up because there's some some helpful things in the way that she that Susie asked us. She says, uh, "Do you do you go 
you attend the wedding out of love you have for that person. So there's an assumption there that we love the person. Right. And I guess what I would argue is that it's it's actually the love for that person and 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 for other things, the love for the truth, the love for uh, the sanctity of marriage, the love for what the Bible, you know, how, how God has created marriage, all of those things. But it is love that would prevent me from going to such a wedding. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you totally because... Uh, I I do know some Christians that have argued that it's okay, they went out of love for that mm-hmm. person, uh, and I've got to strongly disagree with that. I think it's the love for the truth and the love for God and the love for God's word that first and foremost are going to dictate what we do in that situation. Uh, and I and I really think you know uh, under that banner of love, it's going to be important that. By by not going, you're you're letting that person know. You, you want to make it clear to them that I'm doing this because I do love you. I I love you deeply, and I, and I want to see you living a life that is honoring to the Lord. I want to see you follow Christ and be obedient to Him. Um, this isn't just a political statement that I'm trying to make. This this yeah. And I'm not just like I I think we sometimes think of it as like, well, I have these principles and I can't yeah. go because I have these principles. Well. If I really believe that marriage is as it is in the scriptures, if I really believe that that uh, that that's what creates human flourishing, and that when we deviate from God's plan, it doesn't ever lead to flourishing; it always leads to hurt. Well, then I'm I'm going to think about that that wedding differently. Like I I know that they are celebrating something that's going to cause them tremendous pain and tremendous yeah. hurt, and it's not God's way. And so, for me to love that person well and celebrate something that is going to lead to their destruction or their right. harm. I that's that doesn't those two things conflict for me. And so not going to the wedding and really trying to help them understand why. It's because I I, I love you. I love you and I want your I want your good and I, I can't celebrate you uh, following a path that leads to your harm. Yeah and, and to add to that I would encourage that anybody who might be in this situation um, <clears throat> I've known Christians who have had family members that have uh, embraced the LGBTQ lifestyle. <clears throat> Excuse me, but they have they have in a sense cut those family members off, and, and I don't believe that we as believers should do that. If you have a family member, uh, whether it be a child or a niece, nephew, cousin, brother, wh- whatever the case may be, that is that has embraced that lifestyle, stand firm in the truth. But you don't have to cut that person off out of your life. You don't have to be uh, taking a posture of, I want nothing to do with you anymore. I, I do think it's important that we as believers continue to show love and express that love to that person, even if even if they reject that, even if they cut you off, yeah. don't be the one to cut them off. Right on. And it, I think a lot is at stake in your demeanor and in your approach to 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 how you navigate this with this family member. Yeah. You know, because you, you, you can just communicate that um, I'm a principled person and what you're doing is not principled and I don't like you anymore, you know. Uh, or you can communicate, no, friend, I love Jesus yeah. very much and I love God and I, I, I love... I love his word, and I love what he says about it, and I love you, and I want all of those things to come together, and I can't go to this wedding and still hold those things together. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly there. So next question. Next question. Tori Babb writes this. In regards to theological differences, where is the line when we would consider someone 
a fellow brother, not a fellow brother or sister in Christ. So where's the line where we would consider somebody an unbeliever? Good question, Tori. Thank you. Yeah, those are very important questions to ask. Um, you know, well, if someone is not uh, infralapsarian uh, <laughs> in their view of, of God's uh, God's sovereign will... Uh, synergistic, for example. Synergistic. <laughs> um, you know, the whole question of whether or not Adam had a belly button, that's important. That really does rise to the level. Yeah. No. Yeah. These are the very important questions that we ask. A couple no. episodes ago, we, we, we tried to... We, we shared about the theological triage and and how we—maybe this question was uh, spun from that, but we, we talked about different levels, and there is a level in which we would we would say, uh, this rises to the occasion that, we, you know, a difference on this issue is a difference at a fundamental level, and we'd, we could not consider you a brother. And I would say, I would say gospel truth, uh, gospel truth, truth surrounding the gospel, like who Jesus is, what he has accomplished, uh, his atoning work for us on the cross, deny those realities, his resurrection— mm-hmm. Deny those realities, and it's uh, we're talking about very different things, you know. Like, if you deny those realities, I'm going to try to win you to Christ because He is the Savior of the world, and and you're not believing that. And so, yeah. I would my posture would be to try to help you see the gospel. So, gospel truce is that line. Mike, are there people though who can confess all of those things that? <clears throat> we would still want to be very careful about that perhaps you know I, I think of I think of people that might confess all of those those aspects of the gospel truth yet at the same time might be engaged in some practices in their theology or their or the, their orthopraxy that um, is is really kind of unhealthy for the Christian life I mean speak to that maybe sure yeah so uh, in Titus at the end of chapter one, it says they profess to know God, but deny Him by their works. Yeah. And so there's that reality acknowledged in Scripture that people profess true things and don't live by them, and that would mean they don't believe them. You know, so I mean, at the heart level, that they're not really truly embracing those thoughts. So yes, there could be a disconnect between between what somebody confesses, writes down on paper. You know, an institution can do this too. Um, what, what what they say they believe, and then what their practice shows them to believe. Yeah. So we can absolutely, and you know, we, you can do this in every relationship. You know, you you could say a husband w- will often say, "I love you, honey," to his wife, yeah, and then treat her in ways that really demonstrate right. a love for himself and for his own pleasure and a disregard for her well being. So we know this to be true in practice, and and we know it to be that disconnect to be wrong in those spheres. Here too. That's the question you're asking, right? Yeah, that, and then, then also, though, can there be true believers that are, uh, you know, engaged in some unhealthy practices in their faith? And what I mean by that is, I mean, you, you take some people out there, and I'm not going to get, I'm not going to name any names, but th- there, are, there are people who... It'd get a lot more interesting if you did name <clears throat> some names. No, I'm just kidding. There, there are people do who... Do you want me to name names? No, no, or no. no not? Okay, we're not going to name names. We're not going there yet. Um but there are people who i i think might truly be christians at at the end of the day because they do give a confession um that that espouses faith alone in christ alone his atoning sacrifice yet with that they have mixed in some doctrinal error sure that uh i would say is is dangerous yeah. even to yeah. some point 
Um, you know, and I guess may I don't know if he's getting at that question right here, Tori. Um, and I, th- I, th- I think he is. Like what you're saying is that they believe things that are wrong. Yeah. But they, it doesn't it doesn't cross that line. Right. To where you wouldn't think that they're a brother or sister in Christ. You think they're very misunder like a a brother who's really misunderstanding truth. Right. Yeah. You know, and so and so then we would we would deal with them as a brother who's misunderstanding truth. Yeah. Right. Like not and, as a non believer. And I and I think that's the point. It's there's there could be a difference between someone who says these things yet lives a life totally contrary to those and someone who confesses these things does seem to have fruits of the spirit in the, in his or her life, but at the same time is espousing other things that you know, are in error that yep. are that are contrary to scripture or or gross misinterpretations of scripture, uh, and I think that's where care has to be taken. Yeah, yeah Christians can be in serious error. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, and and that's it's a little bit more difficult in the public sphere because when we're dealing with people that are on the internet or that are well-known speakers, we don't necessarily have a relationship with them to know their hearts, to know yeah. how they're coming along in their faith, as opposed to people within our own local church. So with with that, and that's I'm glad you raised all that, because it gives me an opportunity to say one pastoral word to this. I think there's an awful lot of just canceling people, uh, because there's a serious error, there's yeah. some, some, some disagreement that you have, and um, it, depending on your maturity, you can do that with, with, with areas that are not that important. Um, you can be more mature and do that with more th- things that are more serious. But um, I think there's an awful lot of throwing out the baby with the bathwater, you know, um, with with people, and we got to be we we need discernment, you know, because because yeah. yes, a, a brother could be right on the gospel and wrong on a lot a lot of other things, you know, um, which is better than being right on all those other things and then wrong on the gospel. But and and and, and you know, at the same time, not minimizing truth, not acting like error is something that we that that we can tolerate or that should be trifled with, you know? I mean, that truth should be trifled with. We, we, we should be serious about all those things, but also discerning. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher this story probably, right. but I'm, I'm going to try to at least paraphrase it. You know, there was a, a, a George Whitfield and Charles Wesley were contemporaries and, and held some very, very different theological convictions on, on some biblical matters. And, you know, one day uh, Whitfield was asked, do you think you're going to see Wesley in heaven? And he responded, no, because I think he's going to be so close to the throne of grace that I won't be able to see him for the glory of God. And and so there was a very charitable response there from Whitfield in that while at the same time he had strong, strong disagreements with this brother on some secondary, important but secondary theological matters, he, he considered him a brother. And uh, so sometimes we have to do triage like that. We might have a, a dear brother in Christ with whom we have strong disagreements about some things, yet at the end of the day, you know, he is putting his hope and faith and trust in Christ alone. Good word. Yeah. So, Tori, the answer is uh, the irreducible minimums of the gospel. Yeah, that's the line. Yeah. You, you know, there, and, and that's what we're looking for when we when we think about somebody as a believer or not a believer. Are they confessing Christ in a true way? All right, next question comes from Delaney Lucht. Lucked. Lucked. Yep. Is this a friend of yours from... Well, I actually uh, know her brother, and I met her met her parents. I, I think I might have met her too, but she's not from Ridgeview, but her brother went to... Yeah. Went, went to went, he, he lives out in Shadron. So Delaney asks, what have you learned from God in the past that has helped you get to where you are today? I think we should be really comprehensive with this answer. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. How much time do we have? Yeah, you know? Five, ten hours. Yeah, it'd take longer. No. Uh, maybe maybe let's each name two two things. Yeah. Wanna do that? Yeah. I you, think that's you, good. You go first. So one of the things that it, it has impacted me greatly uh in my Christian life and ministry that I learned early on, or just to learn to cherish early on, was is the greatness of God. Mm. Uh John Owen says, think greatly on the greatness of God. When we think of God, his infinitudes, his attributes, uh, his, his being, I love how the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism says, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. He is wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Uh, just meditating upon the greatness of God, from that flows these, these other joys of realizing that, hey, whatever trials I'm facing in my life, whatever circumstances, I can trust the good and sovereign, perfect God of all creation. Uh, and so I go back to that again and again. I, I, I love stargazing. I love telescopes. I'm kind of a nerd. So, you know, thinking about the, the vast expanse of the universe and God's power and creation and might um, that feeds my soul daily, and it's something I strive to meditate on. Good word, good word. I'll just say the other side of that, because that's that's true for me, too. Um, understanding the sovereignty of God, for sure, was a big one for me. Uh, that helped me a lot, um, and understanding um, that God is good and that God is sovereign. But I'll just say, on the other side of what uh, Pastor Thomas just said, uh, one of the big things that has helped me is to be skeptical, be absolutely sure about the things that Thomas just mentioned, and be really skeptical about myself, you know, like uh, mm. not to think more highly of myself than I ought to think, and that's helped me a lot to to not I know uh, to to not uh, to rely on God instead of relying on myself, and that has helped me tremendously to to grow as a Christian. Yeah, and I'll add that too: uh, the sovereignty of God, recognizing His sovereign hand in in every situation, uh, has been a comfort to me to know that even in times of difficulty that uh, what we're going through is not meaningless. It, no. it has a purpose, uh, and, and to know that He is working all things together for good. And so, you know, that, that's been a tremendous comfort to me and, and encouragement in my life, um, you know, Christian life. Yeah, you know, just this morning, I was thinking about this. Just I actually posted on my Facebook, uh, but I posted because I was thinking about it. I, I, I wrote, God is sovereign, God is good. It's Thursday, let's get on with this, and it'll be good, you know. And, and the reason I did that is because I was looking at my day, and I was daunted by it. I was just daunted, you know? Mm. It's just the day, you know? It's just the schedule that was pretty packed and whatever. Um, but, I, but God reminded me, Mike, I'm sovereign. I'm, yeah. I'm sovereign, you know? Yeah. And Spurgeon said, uh, it is the sovereignty of God that is the pillow upon which we lay our heads in suffering. And I know that's not suffering, but um, but but it, it, it's, it's the pillow, you know? And it brings such great comfort when we begin to understand that we are not God, we are not ultimate, we are not sovereign. God is. Yeah. And we can trust him because he's good. Well, you know, you, you know our family situation. We have a son with special needs. He's endured a lot of different, you know, medical mm. uh, situations over the years, some of them, you know, potentially life-threatening. And it it is during those times, it, it is holding on it, to the sovereign goodness of God that sustains us because we know that no matter what the outcome of this situation might be, we know that God is good. We know this isn't going to be meaningless, whatever happens here. Mm. Um, and so we know that he has a good purpose in all of these things. And, and so it just it, it just brings such grace and comfort into our lives in those moments of, of, of struggle. But then, like you say, grace for every day. Grace yeah. to wake up and get out of bed and, yeah. and go about your day 
and, and pay your mortgage and, and do what you're supposed to do, and to know that God's grace is sustaining, His sovereign grace is guiding you in, in every step of the way. Really good question, Delaney. Thank yeah. you for putting that to us. Next question comes from Todd Holthouse, who is an elder here at Faith Baptist Fellowship. Yes. I think this was a little bit of a softball question. You think? Uh, but no, it's a it's a good one, because I think it's a question he wants uh, us to answer so that people will hear and know. And uh, Mike, how does one go about getting baptized at Faith Baptist Fellowship? Please explain the, explain the process. Sure. First, if you're interested in being baptized, uh, let me encourage you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, uh, look to Christ and be saved. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took your sin. Amen. He, he, he paid it in full before a holy God who counts sin uh, with perfect justice, and he satisfied God's wrath. And if your hope is in him, you're forgiven. You know, you're, you, you can trust in him and be forgiven. And we are called to follow Christ then in believer's baptism. So we are to, it's the public expression of mm. a, a, you know, we, we, we're, t- we're telling the world, my hope is in Jesus. I'm identified with Christ in his death and his burial and his resurrection. It's kind of one of the reasons why we're so insistent upon the mode of immersion, you know, because of the picture that it draws. You know, you, you go under the water like you're identified with his death. And you're raised up to newness of life, you know. And so, to go about that, the first step is to contact an elder or a church leader. You can see us on Sundays. You could write us an email. You can write on your faith card that you're interested in that. We'll set up a meeting with you. One of the pastoral staff will set up a meeting with you, and we'll try to understand. Uh, we'll, we'll try to make sure that you understand um, baptism and the gospel. Those yeah. two, those two things, and, and the church, and what. what we, you know, we'll talk about other things too, but those two are the big ones. Do you understand what baptism is? That's not saving. That what is saving is Christ, and this is an expression of what 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 saves you. Um, and and do you understand the gospel? You understand those two things, and then we'll go about um, setting up a day and doing baptism. So we're doing a baptism on November the twelfth. I think November yeah. the twelfth, Sunday, November the twelfth. Yeah, and there's still yeah. time if you'd like to join in on that. So yeah. uh, just again, you can respond by email. Let us know that you're interested in this. We'll set up a meeting with you, and we'll talk with you about that. Yeah. I so, know, would you add anything? No, I was just going to say just just to recap on Sunday morning when we gather, uh, fill out your faith card and drop it in the offering box. You can email us. Uh, you can email Mike at faithsf.com or Thomas at faithsf.com or David. V, <laughs> Pastor Dave, uh, at faithsf.com. Why, do, why isn't his just Dave at... I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I should, um, somebody should ask that question. Somebody should ask that question. It, because there's... He's Dave, Dave, are you listening? He's Dave V. Dave. Pastor Dave. Uh, Pastor Dave. Um, but, uh, and then, uh, I, I'll tease this here very quickly. Yeah. Coming up at the end of this month, we are looking to launch the Faith SF... Uh, the, the Faith Baptist Fellowship app oh. uh, for iPhone. I thought and that was going to be a secret until the 29th. No, we're going we're gonna to tell them, well, I mean, we want to tease it, that okay. it's coming, but Cause, we're going to... Because you just told 300 people. I know, I just told 300 people, but at our at our quarterly meeting that we're going to have, uh, there is going to be a, a reveal of what this oh. looks like and how they can use it. He is wearing we're, the turtleneck. Yes, I'm going to do the Steve Jobs turtleneck thing. No, we're not. One more thing. But with that, there will be the ability to connect with us on things like that also. So um, that just opens up a whole new door, uh, a new way they can do it. So Todd, if you're looking to get baptized, just let us know. We'll have this conversation with you. As an elder of this church. (laughs) All right, this one comes from Scott Montgomery. Scott was a pastor for many years, um, and he asks this question, how does theology and 
aid, I'm sorry, how does theology aid my growth in godliness? This is another one of those that uh, we could take a couple hours and answer. Um, I mean, really... And so we shall. So we shall. <laughs> We're Pack a lunch, everyone. Um, you know, it's what we've been talking about up to yes. this point. It's, it's the name of our podcast, Sound in Faith, have sound doctrine, uh, right, healthy belief. When we truly believe in God rightly, when we believe good, sound theology and doctrine, our knowledge of God expands and, and it impacts our life truly by the power of His Spirit as it changes us and it conforms our understanding to His understanding. It conforms our ways to His ways, our convictions to His convictions. Um, and, and so, you know, every Christian should be a theologian. Mm. And, and to say, you know, to think of like only the guys that study Greek and Hebrew and go to seminary, that they're theologians. No, every Christian Amen. should be a theologian, should be one that studies and loves the knowledge of God. Yeah, good answer, good answer. I, Scott, maybe you should read Titus 2, um, you know, for, for part of the answer there. You know, you, there you see, I, I'm just thinking about this because I, I just preached through it, you know, and Thomas did too. Um, we there you see the 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 junction between sound doctrine and 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 practical Christian living godliness, um, and 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 for Paul there's there's a, a straight line of connection. You know, if you believe right things, you 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 live those things out rightly. Yeah. You know, and so older people learn to be sober minded, and young women love to learn their husband uh, love their husbands, and bond servants learn to not be argumentative. I mean, all of these different things they come from the gospel. You know. Yeah. And so you believe right things, you live out right things. If you be- believe wrong things, so if you have wrong theology, uh, you're you're you, that, that's going to show itself too. You know, yeah. diseased theology leads to diseased living. Healthy theology leads to healthy living. And you know, all of that uh, is presumed upon the notion that when you truly believe something, you, you you live according to those beliefs. You know, so not just professing, but actually believing. Yeah, I think it was uh, Puritan William Perkins mm. who said. Theology is the science of living blessedly forever. That's so good. Yeah, so good. it is, because when we study God, when we understand and know God, <clears throat> we, it, it, we live blessedly, mm-hmm. both now in the present, and what, what we mean by blessing is not health, wealth, prosperity, pouring on you, right. those things, but it's living the happy, joyful life in God, resting in Him in every circumstance, pursuing the knowledge of Him, and then that extends into eternity when we're ultimately sanctified, we're made whole, we're yes. made right in His presence. So uh, good. Yeah, and so theology is the science of living blessedly forever. And who said that? Uh, William Perkins. He's the same guy who started that, that chain of restaurants, isn't he? Yeah, Perkins Restaurant, yeah. right, right. So theology and chicken fried steak. There you are. So. Next question. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, uh, comes to us from Caden Capaldo. Why in the world? So we've got to cover the world. I love here. how he answered. He Why set that in up, the yeah. world do our Reformed Presbyterian Methodist and Lutheran brothers baptize babies? Why don't we, as Baptists, as well? Why didn't he say? Why in the world don't we, as Baptists, as well? That's a good. Yeah, I mean, fair question. Yeah. Fair question. Not to throw back at you there, Caden. <clears throat> can Can I jump in on this one? Yes. Uh, because for. <clears throat> For about 15 years, I believed it was biblical to baptize babies. Hmm. Um, So uh, without getting too far into the weeds here, 
I mean, I didn't grow up that way, but in college began attending an evangelical Bible-believing Presbyterian church, uh, and then was in that denomination for 15 years, some dear brothers in that denomination, but believed in the doctrine of infant baptism as they taught it within that strain of Reformed um, thinking, Reformed theology. So why don't you briefly draw the line between how they view covenants and baptism? Yeah, so uh, basically within the, the the Presbyterian Church in America and a lot of our other Reformed brothers, they, they view that when you're in, in parallel to being born into the Old Covenant people of Israel, when you're born into the people of God now, you are part of the covenant family. And just as circumcision in the Old Testament was a sign of being part of God's covenant people, and, and let me clarify there, you could be part of God's covenant people, but not necessarily regenerate, okay? Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, and both of them had received the covenant sign. So in the New Testament, uh, they see baptism as the parallel to that, meaning that when you are born into the covenant people, you have Christian parents, you receive the covenant sign as God's promise of salvation, not necessarily as regeneration. Right. Uh, yeah. So they do, you know, our evangelical Presbyterian brothers wouldn't say that it saves you. Right. And that's the that that's helpful to to draw that distinction because there there there's a there's a there's a pedio baptism a baptism of infants that we would we would we would take more seriously more as a gospel issue. I mm-hmm. mean, we take it all seriously, but one would be a gospel issue, and that's uh, the the idea that original sin is washed away. Um, right. it, that some people. Uh, in the broader uh, quote unquote Christian community would 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 say is is the reality there. That's a more serious affront to the gospel when it right. comes to infant baptism. Um, we 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 would not. Would you agree with this? We we would not view the reformed take, the Presbyterian take especially, as an an affront to the gospel per se. True. True. Right. Yes. Uh, the reformed view we we don't take as an affront to the gospel. There are Protestants out there that baptize infants in, and see it as this is regeneration, this is salvation right. happening, um, which, which I find much more an affront to the gospel right. and much more dangerous. This is a huge topic, and there's a lot of nuances <laughs> to it when you get into discussions. Not a, not a new question. No, not a new question. Um, but, you know, in, in my transition from being a pedobaptist into what we call a credo-baptist, so Credo meaning by confession, right. baptism by confession, aka uh, believers' baptism. Believers' baptism, um, it, it, and so it's not being born physically into a covenant people that entitles you to baptism. It's being born again into the covenant right. people that entitles right. you so to baptism. True faith in Jesus, right. which you can't demonstrate if you're an infant. You know so. That's he's answering the second part of your question, Caden. Uh, why we don't do it? We don't do it because we, the model we see in the scriptures, and what we believe baptism is is a is an outward expression of an inward reality that's actually happened, a, an actual confession of faith. Yeah. Um, so that's why we don't we 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 don't find the the argument pairing it with circumcision compelling. We don't we don't we don't see it. Um, See see that as a natural outflowing of um, of the of of a covenant relationship with God's people. That baptism is is that we 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 take differences there. We 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 see those things differently, and we and we and at the end of the day, we don't see it as biblical to baptize right. infants. We we see it as biblical to baptize 
believers, those who are trusting in Jesus Christ by faith. Because we see that model, we see that, you know, that practice in Scripture, believe and be baptized, believe, believe and be and baptized. 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 And, you know, the, there are some and things... And they would say, where, you and your household, but we, we understand what <clears throat> Right, and, and so, you know, the, the instances of household baptism are not explicit in that there were um, unconverted yeah, right. children... So an there. argument from silence is It made. is an argument from yeah. silence, yeah. So uh, just along with all of that, um, and to Tori's question, we don't think that this crosses any the line. We we would we would see our Presbyterian brothers as brothers in Christ who love Jesus and love His Word, and uh, I can extend the right hand of fellowship to a Presbyterian who is truly confessing Christ. And uh, I have I have a great many um, amount of heroes that I read, both dead and a few living, that um, that were that were pedio-baptists. Yeah. Um, so. Roman Catholic, Roman Catholic baptism is very different. That is different. Yeah, yeah that, that's that, very that different. crosses the line. Yes, right? that is. A re, they, they believe it's regeneration. They believe it's the actual washing away of sins of original. We sin. would reject that as an affront to the gospel. All right, good. Um, there you go, Caden. Hey, we have one more question. One more. Why don't you? Why don't you hit us off with? Yeah, that? Raquel Yankee. How do I glorify God in my hunting and fishing as a follower of Christ? Mike, I'm going to let you answer <laughs> this one. Sure, yeah. Well, first, I just want to commend you for this question, Raquel. Like, it just shows that you're very mature and that you you hunt and you... Oh, no. I know that your husband doesn't. It's... it's uh, You know, we, we're called... I, I love I love the question because we are called to glorify God in everything. Yeah. You know, like, we're... Uh, there isn't a... There isn't a... Like, a compartment in our lives that, that is separate from the call to glorify God, you know? And so I would say we glorify God in our hunting and our fishing by, I'll just say this, by enjoying it with thankfulness, mm-hmm. you know, like seeing it as a gift from God. Like, um, I, you know, I am a hunter, I used to, and I fish, and um, I, you know, like seeing it as a gift from God. I, I Another way we glorify God is by not allowing it to take the part, like become God to me. Yeah. You know, that's unglorifying to God. If it, hunting is a wonderful gift, it's a terrible God, you know, and, yeah. and that goes... That's true for sports or whatever your hobby is, you know. Uh, terrible God. It might be a really good thing, but a terrible God. You know, God is God, you know. Yeah. So not not allowing idolatry to creep into my heart, not allowing it to disrupt. And I think, you know, this this goes along with the idolatry. Um, yeah, I know it's an idol when I'm willing to sin to do it, when I'm when I'm willing to neglect my family to do it, when I'm willing to neglect the church to do it. When I'm, you know, if, yeah. if, if I'm willing to sin to do it, uh, then, then it's idolatry, and I've, I've got to purge it from my life, you know, or at least purge it from that spot that it's been occupying. Yeah. So we glorify God by taking it with thanksgiving, by thanking God for His good gifts, um, and then we we glorify God by um, by not allowing it to become idolatrous, and then also by in the way that we talk about it, in the way that we we teach it, and the way that we you know go about it, you know, making sure that God is the focus. Yeah. And 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 all that we do, and and this is true. You could just fill in the blank in this question. Like, how how do we glorify God in our sports? How do we glorify God in our uh, anything? Right? right, anything. Your yeah. your stamp collecting. How do you glorify God in your stamp collecting? You know, I mean, whatever it is that you're occupying your time with ought to be for the glory of God, and it can be and should be. Yeah, and and you make a very good point there. Any any good thing can become idol, uh, yeah. idolatrous in our lives. Yes, it can become an idol in our lives. Because I, idolatry is not necessarily that we we find some bad thing in that we engage in it. It is even taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing, uh, and that can happen with hunting. It can happen with sports. Uh, you know, I'm a sports fan. 
I know that's not your your cup of tea necessarily. Although I do, I love outdoor sports. I, I outdoor sports, you know. Uh, I, although you posted, what was it last week? You you tuned in to a little bit of Thursday night football. I did, yeah, just to throw people up. Yeah, and and I have hunted before. Yeah. I, I had wow. it's been a long time. Yeah, I've shot a deer. There you go. Uh, there you go. I didn't know that. I've yeah, it, intentionally. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, but uh, you know, there there could be as a as a college football fan, if my team loses. Uh, it could be, you know, it could easily affect me coming in on a Sunday morning and worshiping. Mm. And I've got to remember, it's just a football game, right? It, you know, I, all of these coaches are still going to get paid their millions. These kids, you know, that are excellent are still going to go on to great careers. Nobody's life is being destroyed, right? By by them losing a game, it's a disappointment. But you know, coming in on a Sunday morning, if I'm letting a loss by my team affect my joy and my demeanor in gathering with the people of God. You know that that's when it's becoming an idol. Yeah. It's just got to be. I come in and here's the fresh breath of of heaven, the fresh air of heaven that we're all going to breathe together. Um, you know that's what it's got to be. So if you're a huge sports fan, you should you should see your sports as a gift from God for which you should give thanks. Yeah, enjoy them. Like enjoy like it's a it's a bit of common grace. You know that we enjoy these things. Yeah, and don't let it become bigger than it ought to be. Exactly. And when you do, by the way, it affects the enjoyment of it. Like. If it's ruining your day, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I you know. know. So, yeah. if you're having to, uh, if you're having to sit with a, um, you know, a bottle of of antacid every time you watch a game, uh, it's probably going too far. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But rejoice in the good things that God has given us in this life. If you enjoy sports, you enjoy hunting. Received with Thanksgiving. Music, yeah. all of it. Yeah. We're gonna do this once a month. Send us your questions. We want, we want, we want to hear them. We want to answer them. Hard questions, easy questions, fun questions. Send them to us. Yeah, we didn't get one about a Tootsie Roll Pop this week, <sighs> which is a shame because those taste so good. I tested that theory. I'll ask you one question as we get ready to close here. Yeah, are you going to do no shave November? I am. Okay, so your beard's going to get longer. Yes. Yes. Okay. I extend it all the way to February. Yeah. Oh, really? I do. So how long does it get? Pretty long. Okay. I can show you a picture. All right, we're going to have a little competition. All right, so I'll see you guys. You've been listening to the Sound in Faith podcast from Faith Baptist Fellowship in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. This has been Pastor Thomas. And Pastor Mike. We've enjoyed being with you today. If you've got any questions, check us out at faithsf.com slash soundinfaith, and we'll see you next time.